Our Sunday School story this Sunday is the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You'll notice that the text says that he stood up in order to test Jesus. It doesn't tell us his full motivation, but it does certainly imply that his motivation was not in the right place. He wasn't honestly asking, how can I be saved? He wasn't honestly searching for eternal life, but he was asking in pride. Either he was trying to trick Jesus uh, because he thought that Jesus would say something contrary to scripture as he saw it. Maybe he was hoping Jesus would say exactly what Jesus said at other times, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and then he was going to come back and prove Jesus wrong uh, by quoting the, the Ten Commandments to him or something like that. Uh, so either he was trying to trick Jesus or he was trying to show off, uh, look how well I know scripture, um, I understand this, and, and trying to get Jesus into, in, into a debate where he could show off his great knowledge. Most likely a little of both, probably. In any case, he certainly began with an attempt to judge Jesus. Uh, he was asking Jesus a question which he fully meant to judge the answer himself. Now, that's what you, it means when you give someone a test. You, you, you give them a question, you give them a, a something, and then they give an answer, and you're going to be the one to grade or judge it. So he, he starts out with this attempt to judge Jesus. Uh, verse 26, What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? Now, the man may very well have been expecting Jesus to answer with the gospel, um, as we know it anyway, that we are saved by faith through him. Jesus certainly hadn't ignored that or, or had not been preaching that. Maybe he thought Jesus was going to answer with uh, repentance and faith. Uh, that's certainly something Jesus had preached at, up to this point. Uh, but Jesus doesn't give him the opportunity uh, to judge Jesus. Uh, but he comes back, what is written in the law? Jesus isn't going to ignore the law. Uh, as he said other places, he did not come to condemn the law or he did not come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. Uh, and so Jesus doesn't ignore the law. The law is important. And we're going to, this account is a lot about law. And we're going to come back to that again later. Uh, verse 21, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So the man gets his chance. He probably wanted a chance to show off. He gets his chance to show off. He jumps on it right away. Jesus asked him, well, what do you think? What is written in the law? And he responds with the, the classic passages. And he's right insofar as he understands it. If we were able to love the Lord with all our hearts and love our neighbor as ourselves, if we could fulfill that law, we would be saved by it. But of course, the problem is that we cannot fulfill it. And this is going to be the driving motivation behind the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, to teach us to repent because, with the recognition that we, we cannot uh, fulfill it. And so Jesus answers, you, you're right. If you do that, you will live. Uh, so there's there's nothing wrong with Jesus' answer there. Uh, he's not pointing him to the gospel, but in connection with the law, if he does do those things, uh, he will 
live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The man obviously instantly understands he has not done this. Uh, And so he tries to find an excuse. And isn't that so typical for all of us? Uh, Whenever we are confronted by the law, we always have some excuse why, well, in this case, it doesn't matter. Or for this reason, we have a a way out of it. And we're going to see Jesus really, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we may not realize this often at first, but uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan at its heart is really answering that that unspoken assertion of the young of the the lawyer um this this constant desire we all have to make excuses now before we continue i want to point out a couple things first of all notice that the the young man the expert in the law at first he was attempting to judge jesus he gave jesus a test and he was going to he thought that he was going to be able to judge jesus answer whether it was right or not but now uh jesus quickly switched it from the young man judging him to the young man attempting to i keep saying it's a young man we don't know that there's another place where it's a it is specifically says a young man this it says an expert in the law so i'm sorry i keep saying that uh i just keep thinking of that other young man is similar situation this expert in this law the law the lawyer uh, began with an attempt to judge jesus but now now he's simply trying to justify himself notice how quickly he's turning and by the end we're going to see he being judged by jesus so that's one thing to pay attention to in the story that progression from his pride attempting to judge jesus to uh, backed in a corner trying to justify himself to to finally being judged by Jesus, which is always the way it's going to go when we try to confront or judge God. Another thing to point out here is he's an expert in the law, and the teacher's notes make a point of he was not a secular leader, but a teacher of the law within a synagogue. And I, I think the teacher's notes are making a distinction here that is not valid on the basis of Jewish society. Yes, he was a teacher of the law in the synagogue, that's true, but the the lawyers in the synagogue were also the lawyers at court. Uh, the whole structure of Jewish society at Jesus' day was centered around the Sanhedrin as the ultimate authority. It was, the religious authority and the secular authority was not really separated. There was, of course, the Roman government, and um, there were um, there were some things that the Jews had to go to the Roman governor or the Roman government in order to get judgment on, and we know that how that worked with Jesus. They couldn't put him to death without um, permission from Pilate. But for most stuff, for kind of the everyday running of the country, uh, the Sanhedrin, which was both reli- was both religious and secular, it was the high priests who ran it. Uh, but at the same time, they were also uh, the ultimate authority with regard to secular things as well. So it's, it's really kind of a, a distinction that wasn't true of Jesus's society when the teacher's notes try and say, well, he wasn't a secular lawyer. Uh, it was the same group who did both the teaching in the synagogues, the religious uh, law, and, and teaching you know the children to love your neighbor, uh, were also the same ones then who would be in the in the in front of the Sanhedrin arguing cases of law. Uh, there was not a distinction between secular and religious lawyers in Jesus' day. But anyway, so he's an expert in the law. Uh, probably taught law, maybe argued law in front of the Sanhedrin. Whatever, doesn't matter. 
uh, trying to prove himself. Uh, verse 30, then, we come to the parable. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So there's a couple of very important things to note about this parable. Uh, first of all, the Samaritan asked the question, who is my neighbor? And he did so in an attempt to justify himself. Now that was not... From a human standpoint, uh, that was not the ridiculous question that we might think it is. The The law of God made it clear that Jews were the chosen people of God. Uh, the law of God made it clear that they were not to have anything to do with sinners, with adulterers, with, with the, the pagans who worship false gods. Uh, there's cases in the Old Testament where, where people were... Uh, punished by God because they joined together uh, with uh, pagans and with sinners in their sinfulness. Now, of course, the punishment came from God not because they associated or said hi to these people, uh, but because they joined in with them. But in any case, for a human in our sinfulness, studying the Old Testament, studying God's word, we're very quickly going to come to the conclusion, well, those people are bad people. I shouldn't have anything to do with them. Uh, look at what terrible people they are. And from there, it's not that far, in our sinfulness, of course, it's not that far to come to the conclusion like, well, yeah, I shouldn't even touch them. I shouldn't even help them. Uh, you know, God wants me to help out fellow Christians, fellow Jews, but these terrible pagans, these terrible Samaritans, you know that they're not my neighbor uh, god hates them too and and that was part of the problem with the jewish mindset right it and part of the reason why this this lawyer asks jesus this question is the rabbis you know talked about this they said well we're supposed to love other people but uh, surely we're not supposed to love and be kind and show kindness to those whom God hates. Uh, you know, God hates sin. God hates sinners. Therefore, uh, we also should hate them. So they're trying to emulate God. Now, they're getting it wrong. They're getting messed up. But, but they are trying to understand Scripture and trying to understand God in the law and trying to apply it to their life. Uh, and so, you know, we could be pretty harsh with this 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 expert in the law and say, well, what a ridiculous question, but, you know, we kind of have the benefit of Christ's teaching and, and knowing the parable. Uh, but anyway, he asked the question, who is my neighbor? And one thing, notice that Jesus turns the question around. Uh, and it's not a question of who is my neighbor, but how can I help anyone or how can I make others my neighbor? Uh, and you see that very clearly in Jesus' answer, because the young man says, who is my neighbor? But after the parable, Jesus doesn't say, uh, who was the Samaritan's neighbor? But he says, who, what, what does he say? He says, 
who was a neighbor to the Samaritan. Uh, and that's, again, our sinfulness always does this with God's law. Our sinfulness always tries to minimize God's law. Uh, what do I have to do? And that's the essential essence of the of the, the lawyer's question. Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to help? Uh, you know, who can I get away with not helping, right? Uh, we look at God's law and we say, what's the minimum I have to do in order to fulfill this? Uh, just like when we were kids and our parents had cleaned our room and we went and we did the minimum we think we had to get, we could to, to actually get our room clean. Uh, if we thought we could get away with stuffing everything under the bed, and that was faster and easier, great. We, we did the, a lot of times we were tempted to do the minimum when it came to homework. Well, well, I got my worksheet done. doesn't matter that I didn't understand. It doesn't matter that I, you know, maybe didn't do it as well as I could. I got it done, so I'm done. And that's the attitude of this, of this lawyer. Uh, what is the minimum I have to do? Who is my neighbor? Jesus, of course, calls us to change our hearts. And, and there we see the ultimate problem. The ultimate problem is not that we have problems understanding God's law. Uh, the ultimate problem with this man, too, is not that, well, God's law left things out and didn't explain uh, exactly who we're supposed to be nice to and who we're not supposed to be nice to. The ultimate problem is that his heart was totally in the wrong place, uh, trying to minimize the law. Instead of saying, Instead of looking out for opportunities, how can I find somebody to help today? How can I do more to help this person or that person? Instead of looking for opportunities to fulfill the law of love and to make everybody our neighbor, this man was looking for excuses to avoid making people his neighbor. So that's one thing that comes through clearly. Another thing that Jesus, where Jesus kind of turns things on his head too is one of the big reasons why uh, this man says, who is my neighbor, is as we talked about before, well, sh surely, you know, God is angry with this person or that person. These persons are sinners. Surely I shouldn't help those whom God is angry at. And so one of the big excuses as far as making people our neighbor for this man and for us as well is... Uh, that idea that, well, they deserved it, or, you know, I can't help them, uh, those kind of excuses. Uh, so one of the big uh, concerns for this man is, should I help Samaritans? Should I help uh, prostitutes? Should I help sinners? Should I help people like that? And one of the interesting things that Jesus does is turning it on its head, He, the man who is robbed and who is beaten is faceless. He's nameless. He's uh, without ethnicity or religion. None of those things that are, are told us about him. He's simply a man, a man. Uh, and it's really getting at the heart of the point, right? Like when it comes to helping our neighbor, none of those things ought to, to get in our way. And those are exactly the excuses that the, the lawyer wants to get into. Well, if he's a Samaritan, should I really help him? But the man himself, the man who is beaten, is without religion, without nationality, without name, without face. Uh, if Jesus is really driving that point home that, okay, I'm not going to get into an argument over the sins of the man who needs help. That doesn't matter. What matters is the attitude of the person who has a chance to help him. So the three men who uh, either pass him by or help him are not... Uh, as faceless as the man who is beaten. Uh, we have a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Um, and so there's a, a some assumptions about them here. 
that is going to play into this parable, of course. Now, the priest and the Levite both pass by. Now, again, this is, it's easy for us to condemn them again because what? they're supposed to be the religious ones. They're supposed to be serving God. They're the ones who think they're all great and all religious, and here they ignore this man and are unloving. But again, think about it from their point of view. They have grown up, the priest and the Levite both have grown up being taught uh, to do everything according to God's law. Uh, there are certain things they're supposed to do and not do, and some things that if they do, they make them unclean and therefore unfit for festivals and service in the temple. Now, both the priest and the Levite were supposed to be serving God in the temple, and touching a dead body or touching blood, either one would have made them unclean. So, from their point of view, they have a very good excuse for not stopping to help this this Samaritan, or sorry, this man who's beaten up. Uh, if they were to do so, they would be unfit for the service in God's temple, which God had called them to. So, you know, it would be similar to me saying, well, you know, you know, I can't help somebody out uh, because I, you know, I have to preach. It's more important for me to preach. Well, sometimes that might be true, depending upon what kind of help somebody needs. Uh, sometimes it's definitely not true. I know, um, you know, early on in my ministry, a good example would be, uh, I had a member who was, who was dying of cancer and the nurses, uh, said, okay, today, um, he's going to die. We don't know what time, but we know that today he's going to die. So here I was faced with the choice. Well, I've, well, sorry, I, I forgot to mention this was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve when they said this. And here I was faced with the choice, do I, you know, sit by this man as he's dying or do I go prepare the Christmas Eve service? Uh, I got people coming. I got children coming. I, I didn't have a school at the congregation at that time. Uh, so it was all up to me. <laughs> um, and I did spend most of the day with the man and, and I, I felt like... <coughs> Uh, you know, I had to leave in order to go and actually do the service. Um, and then I came back to him later. But, you know, how easy would it be to make an excuse and say, uh, well, no, no, I, I'm too busy today. Um, you're just going to have to face this on your own, which would not have been a very good thing to do. Sorry, I, I'm getting sidetracked. But but the point is that the, the priest and the Levite from from the point of view of the way they saw God's word, had a very good reason uh, not only to ignore this man, but to stay as far away from him as they could, lest they be unclean and therefore unfit for the duty to which God had called them. Nevertheless, the Samaritan, and that's that's really the point that, that Jesus is trying to make, as we talked about before. Uh, the, the point is, stop trying to figure out excuses to avoid helping other people and look for every opportunity that you can. In that way, you fulfill the law. Stop asking, who is my neighbor? And ask yourself, to whom can I be a neighbor? And that is the fulfillment of the law. Um, now notice that in, <coughs> when Jesus says, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And so the expert in the law is still has a heart of resentment and anger, a sinful attitude here, because it, 
the normal reply, and you could you could try this with your Sunday school kids. Before you read verse uh, 36 and 37, ask your Sunday school kids, well, who did the right thing? And I think most of your Sunday school kids will recognize and say the Samaritan did the right thing, right? Well, the man doesn't say the Samaritan. That would have been the easy way to say it. But he goes out of his way to avoid saying the Samaritan. Uh, that was such a contrary thing to him a samaritan he, the, the samaritans were the worst of all people according to the jews and he's he's so antagonistic towards this idea of a, a samaritan being in the right that he he goes out of his way to avoid saying the samaritan instead he said well the one who had mercy on him almost as if he's saying well i don't really believe a samaritan would ever do that um yeah, I don't really believe that a Samaritan would ever do that, but uh, it's the one who had mercy on him. And so there's really kind of an attitude problem here with the expert. He, his heart is still not in the right place. And of course his heart is still not in the right place because none of our hearts are in the right place. We're all born sinners. That's our problem. Our heart is always looking for excuses to avoid uh to avoid doing God's will and still justify ourselves instead of looking for every opportunity uh, to delight to do God's will. How many times have uh, some of us said, well, let's see, I, do I have to go to church today? You know, here's, here's, I have a good reason, a good excuse to avoid church today. Instead of saying, do I get to go to church today? Can I, uh, have more opportunity to go to church and learn God's word? Uh, can I have more opportunity to serve my neighbor? We're always asking, well, do I have to? Do I have to? So this uh, account is all law. There, There is nothing, nothing in these verses of the gospel. And it's not meant to be. It, Christ is coming down hard on this man because he is refusing to admit his own sin. And so the Lord is is applying the law to the utmost visibility in order to try and get this man to recognize his sinful heart and his condition and his need for a savior. And so if this Bible story were taken, and this is all we had of God's word and of scripture, we would be in big trouble because we would read this and if we understood it correctly, we would be sitting here condemned and certain, well, there is no way we are going to get to heaven. And, and that's the point. The point is there is no, well, that's part of the point. It's not the whole point, but it's it's a big part of it. Uh, there's no way we're going to get to heaven. But thankfully, we know the rest of the gospel. We know the rest of scripture that teaches us that Jesus had pity on us uh, the way that the Samaritan had pity on this man by the roadside, uh, that that Jesus uh, made himself unclean in order to, to cleanse us, that Jesus paid the price to, to heal our wounds, and we weren't just sick or lying by the roadside, but we were dead in our sins. Uh, and yet Jesus looked for every opportunity to serve us, to be our savior, and to redeem us from sin and death. And so, um, yeah, the, the, this Sunday school story in and of itself, there's no comfort, there's no hope, uh, there's nothing good here, it's law. It's the, the 
the greatest, one of the greatest preachings of the law in scripture. Uh, it leaves us condemned, absolutely condemned, because we always ask, what can I get away with instead of what can I, what can I do and how can I further serve Jesus? But thankfully we know uh, that Jesus is ultimately the only good Samaritan, the only one who saw us lying by the side and gave himself for us. Now, some people might ask, well, why didn't Jesus preach the God? The, the man came asking, what must I do to be saved? To some extent, uh, that's... Uh, and, and Jesus sends him away only with law and with no gospel. Uh, and why would Jesus do that? Well, the, the problem is Jesus knows that this man's heart is in no shape to receive the gospel. That this man's heart is full of himself and certain that he's good enough by himself and is not repentant and is not looking for salvation or forgiveness from sins. Uh, and so Jesus knows that preaching the gospel is going to do no good until first the law has its effect to change this man's heart. Now, of course, we can't read people's hearts the way Jesus can. So, you know, we want to be careful to always share and preach the gospel. <coughs> uh, there are times as a pastor where I uh, am not able to share the gospel. I, I have to preach straight law to uh, an individual because it, it's clear that they're completely impenitent. But for the most part, uh, we want to make sure that we always share the gospel. There are times when we start with the law, but uh, we share the gospel and tell people of the wonderful news uh, of Jesus dying for our sins, which of course you want to do for your Sunday school kids as well. Uh, one thing I kind of skipped over, uh, but uh, you could spend more time on with the kids, is how much this man goes out of his way to help this guy. He doesn't just help him and he doesn't just stop and say, well, here's some ointment or here's some bandages. Uh, but he is looking for every opportunity that he can. He says, how can I help him even more? Uh, this man's in trouble. He needs help. I'm going to help him. And then I'm going to help him more and more and more. And that, you know, ties into what we were talking about before, the attitude, the attitude of a, of a, the attitudes of our hearts should not be, what do I have to do? What's the minimum I can get away with? But how can I do even more for my neighbor, uh, for my spouse, for my children, for my friends, for my family, for anyone whom I might meet? And uh, the Samaritan just really just goes out of his way. Uh, he he stops by, he wounds him, he or he heals his wounds, he, he pours oil on him, he puts him on his own donkey, he takes him to the inn, uh, he take, he pays for his night at the inn, and then he like leaves credit with the innkeeper, whatever else, whatever else you might need, he says to the innkeeper, to take care of this man, you, you send me the bill, I'll take care of it. And so the, the, the Good Samaritan is just really looking for every opportunity he can uh, to serve his neighbor. And that's what we should do. We, of course, don't. And that's where we need Jesus' forgiveness. All right. Uh, Lord's blessings on your Sunday school teaching this Sunday. And um, as always, let me know if you have any questions.